nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. Oh, how mellifluous. Isn't it, yeah. Yes, the antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... Oh, you've got a bruised and battered because I've got a terrible cold, but I'm fighting through it to be with you, Porco. It's an awful cold, Michael. It's an awful cold. Porco, yes. Michael. Hello, good evening. I'm still here. Fighting so you've on. got a uh, Mr. Awful Cold. Mr. Um, awful Cold. Uh, yeah. A Russian gentleman, Nasty Chestikov. <laughs> um, I think that was a joke in Sorry. <coughs> that was a joke in uh, Sorry, that was. So who was Wonderful. Sorry now, wasn't it? Uh, who wrote Sorry? Was it oh. Bob Esmond or Bob Larby? Or Bob Larby? Something I like think, that. I think, it? yeah, it was a Bob. For some reason, I think it's a wild card. But anyway, I, d- I don't really know. Um, it's been a really mad week for a kickoff. We weren't on last week as we as, uh, as you had a sad, sad event in the Carmichael well, family. Yes, it was the it was uh, yes my 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 cat uh, yes. of twenty years, my rescue cat Alan. After what was it? Ten, 20 years and thirteen days. Um, yes, had to ah. go for the final walk to the vet. But uh, which um, you know, it's, it's a sad thing with twenty years. But of course, then. You get that great big hole um, where you're like, oh, there's some. It should be something cat shaped there, um, but it led to a strange thing. I've not told you this, um, which was um, on the Sunday morning. Um, I was I was sat on the sofa in the living room, and in the kitchen, because it looks a bit like a UFO, I've got this under cabinet lighting, and there's a light sensor. Nice. So when you, when you walk into the light. It comes out, and it's like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he said, pretending he'd ever watched that. Far too long and far too American. <laughs> it's what I imagine it to look like. Yes. And, yeah, so I was. it was about three o'clock in the morning, and I was just sort of uh, sat there, and I thought I saw a, a, a shadow move quickly in the kitchen, as the as the cat used to do. Mm. And I thought, and be- between seeing it and thinking, can't be, the, uh, the lights went on because something triggered the sensor. Wow. So there you go. So, um, but it it has led me to think because aren't animals? It, is it true that it's uh, more that we're a nation of pet lovers? Do you think? Uh, so they countries? say that shopkeepers, uh, are pet lovers, is another one. Um, mm. is, these all sounds like sound like things from That's Life, isn't it? You know, they do. I had bit, an yeah. interesting letter from a man in Wiltshire. <laughs> Um, these all sound like those sorts of things they sound like and that's life you know we are our nation of I think that um, I think that by and large we do love our animals we love our uh, uh, familiars don't we um you know, but I think that sort of it's it's a strange time of year anyway. You know, isn't it? it? Is. Because and especially with the storm hitting last night, so that mm. sort of gives away our proximal um, nature to the nature. Um, it, it was bonkers. Like I was driving last night. Um, through Liverpool and uh, mm. Egbeth Road, there was a big bloody tree down in the road. So I thought I should. I, th- I went around it and then I sort of parked up and I thought, no, I shall do my civic duty here. And I yeah. walked along to the tree. I thought I shall drag that from the road, <laughs> as as one does. Well, you know, it sort of looked like a bit of a branch um, from where I was. And then I got yeah. near to it and there was these big lads stood there. And I was like, oh, has, uh, has anyone uh, tried pulling it out the way? And they were like, eight of us just had a go at it. But if you want to have a go we'll watch (laughs) (laughs) as i looked over at what i thought was sort of like this bit of a tree it was a big bloody thing you know what i mean i was just like oh no i'll walk off my manhood suitably uh embarrassed Um, you need to leave that sort of thing to the real men real men real burly men smelling strongly of tobacco absolutely Um, and they can deal with that sort of thing whilst you applaud from the silence jolly well done the men applaud from the fireside when one looks on twitter absolutely Um, so so that went on last night but there's something elemental about this season anyway and and to see sort of trees downed Mm. brings out that that folklore idea of the 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 spirits that the that were trapped within the roots well, it does, doesn't it? I, I went for a, for a wander around the village perimeter today just to see how things were, thinking, because uh, we're, we're quite sort of very Brigadoon-like, but we are rather closed off in this village from everything. But, my God, um, there, there's one road 
in and out of the village, which is now blocked. With three trees have come down on that. These wow. lovely, lovely old trees, which were um, a willow uh, was one of them. So uh, walking over the old bridge, um, you used to get this lovely sort of sound in the trees, which will still be there, maybe not as loud. The wind but, in the um, willows. The wind in the willows, absolutely. But to see three of them down, my God, that was that was mm. some storm last night. But it has. It feels like it's made a shift, and I can't. Yes put my finger on what the shift is no i mean you've got to be receptive and perceptive to these things obviously but th- there's there's always you know whilst you were striding confidently around your village arms mm. raised in valediction um, yeah. um there's definitely because all these storms they are they provide a difference don't they in barometric pressure for a mm. kickoff so there's that, which, which if you're sensitive to that, which I am, I think I am, I think most people are, mm. then you sort of feel, I've got a headache today, for example. I've got an headache, Tommy. Yeah. I've got like an headache today. And there are, it's the shift in the pressure from the ionosphere and, and stuff like that, isn't it, that, that alters the barometric pressure. And that does affect human beings. I mean, it can't fail to, I don't think. No, no, it absolutely can't. It's... Um... Yeah, it's 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 the time of year, isn't it? It's that lovely time of year when the weather just turns slightly. And what I'm gratified to see is that it has done winter. You know, everyone's been saying, oh, it's going to be 30 degrees out there come midwinter. Yes. Um, it's not. It's bloody freezing, actually. It and is I'm, f- four degrees this morning. Lovely. Absolutely me, me, lovely. Me bollocks were like a corduroy cap <laughs> wandering <laughs> around town. You know, it was like like a little like a little pain, I felt, yeah. Mm. Why did you have your bollocks out in town? Again? Well, you know, it's the time of year. I it thought I'd give the, the good... Good yeoman, a, a, a treat. Um, <laughs> long before it was bell. packet mash. Yeah, ring the bell, bell and announce that they are here once again. It's your opportunity. My knackers say there are three more weeks of winter. <laughs> ringing the bell. Yes, uh, ringing the bell end. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no it's, they should it's, have let Christopher Lee do that in The Wicker Man, in the wig, wandering around with his bollocks out as well. I should have. I should have, shouldn't oh, I? I was the stuff. dickhead man instead. <laughs> um, no, I, I only went out for a quarter of boiled ham, you know. Um, <laughs> um, no, I went out for paintbrushes, actually. The, the sort of fourth bridge that is this this house of mine. Have you not um, finished? I thought you were done. What's, what are oh, you painting now? my dear boy. No, we opened up another front on the kitchen during the <laughs> summer, which led to a new... S- everything. New mm. ceiling, plastered. Uh, I I was um, yeah. uh, new floor um, everything just everything. everything everything anyway let's not dwell on that because no, I've, let's uh, not. I woke this morning to the aroma of gas you know um, <laughs> oh, so God. so that's I know mate I know it's just hideous um, but nice thing your this house week- is like a setting for a public information film isn't it you it wake is. up and you smell gas two weeks earlier there's been the film in which poor Mister Livesley has fallen down the steps in the night ah. Sling free. Sling free. Nevertheless, I'm worried there might be some silage equipment out the back and you'll just go straight in like the bull yeah. on the farm. Yeah. A little concerned. <laughs> I am also a little concerned uh, to, the, to the extent where I have switched off the sort of gas into the house. Right. You know, the big right. thing by the door. Yes. It's like that thunk. Yes. Right, well, that's off now. No so more there's gas no, coming in. No gas. Um, so there's no gas coming in here. Um, it's going to be slightly inconvenient, one would have thought oh, as well. Oh, we shall burn. We shall burn some of the fallen logs. Oh, there we the go. Fallen trees. Yes. There's plenty of it knocking about, mm. you know. Um, the disjector membra of yeah. of the local um, trees, but this week, nice things wise, yes. I think though I've oh, not yes. had the chance yet. I think we have finally finished the nutty collection with this Here bag that arrived today. Um, oh. it, it cost me a girlfriend in the process, but um, <laughs> we have um, we have hopefully. Hopefully finish the nutty collection today. Oh. I've not sat there and sort of um, compared numbers yet, but I, I mm. intend to afterwards. And so I've got a huge stack, three huge stacks of surplus nutties. Uh, so if anybody <laughs> wants to get in touch, <laughs> maybe we have a competition. 
You contact us at Mike's Nutties, care of nice things. <laughs> yes, get your <laughs> nutties out. Get your... Ring the bell again. Ring the, the bell. The the... <laughs> Ring the bell, thumb out the nutties. We're all going to have a lovely night. Um, how about you, dear? Oh, and I also um, bought the thing on your recommendation. Oh, yes. Here we go. Uh, yeah, there we are. Um... There it is. Mr. Seeley's Dougie Camfield book. Not read it yet. Awful cover. Uh, Awful GCSE cover. GCSE English. They've got the arms wrong. Well, um, I, I have found... Yes, here's mine. As you can see, it's only the cover at the moment. Oh. I have found... Well, uh, only because... Well, carrying the book around, um, as I do. Every day, of course, I, I carry the book with me. Because I always take a book wherever I'm going. And I get on the train and think, I shall read the book. No, I can't no. bother. No. And then I think I'll take a little lunch break and I shall know well oh, know. What are they? Absolutely. I've noticed with this cover, mm-hmm. I don't know about yours, but it's curling up at the extremities. At the top. And the bottom. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. A, there is a distinct curl. I noticed that. I was wondering if I'd done something. I but... noticed this as well with the cover of the uh, All Memories Great and Small. So much so I contacted the author. Um, <laughs> the, the, the cover is really curling right up on it. So... Um, I don't know what that is. Um, it's unusual paper to the touch. Have you noticed? Yes. I, I think they'll bring, blame Brexit for it. I think so. I think it's Brexit because we've, uh, we can't import that lovely French linen that we were, <laughs> we were, we were, we were uh, printing our stuff on. Um, what have you got that's nice this week, dear? Well, um, this week. Well, first of all, there is a nice thing which I thought was going to arrive today and it hasn't. Mm. Um, which That's is uh, to, go, to go with the Dougie Camfield and to go with the Jackie Hill and so on. Um, I've got uh, the Anthony Ainley story on its way to Anthony me. Ainley, eh? Anthony so, Ainley. Uh, um, so yes. what's going on in that then? Well, I mean, it's obviously not here yet, but the things that I hope it's going to cover, and which I've bought it assuming will be there, um, for those of you watching at home who aren't obsessed with this sort of television, you should be. Yes. Uh, but Anthony Ainley was the master to Tom Baker. <laughs> I can't hear the name now without hearing that. Ainley. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, well, ever, um... ever heard that in my life. Uh, it's, it's just when uh, you well, said it, maybe the cold. I heard you say Ainley. It's uh, Anthony Ainley. Um, <laughs> I've never what? ever heard that in my life. Well, how should it be said? Ainley. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it should be said. Ainley, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is middle aged men laughing and <laughs> profanity. Welcome. Yes. Uh, but right, the the things I hope are in his book. Um, the the two things I want covered in there, and I hope they are, is first of all the wig, because of ah. course he was very fond of the syrup. Yes. Um, but you weren't allowed to mention it. So if he went for a wig fitting at the BBC, they would have to fit the wig over his wig. Yes. You weren't allowed to say Mr. Ainley, Ainley. Would you care to take your wig? <laughs> you off? weren't allowed to say Mr. Ainley. <laughs> you weren't. No. Um, so I hope there's that. And then, of course, there's all the fannies as well. Um, because uh, he was famous for... He used to play a lot of uh, charity cricket. Um, and apparently he had this thing where, in uh, when there was a break on the cricket, he'd say, well, should we go and sit in my car for a while? I have a little flask in there. And he'd go and sit in the front of the car with a gentleman. And then he'd say, well, just open that glove compartment. And you'd open it. He'd say, there's a photograph album in there. Take that out and have a look. So you'd take out the photo album... And it was pages and pages of Polaroid photos from all the fannies he'd photographed. He would just photograph ladies' fannies whenever he could. And apparently we would often go up to gentlemen after the cricket match with his photo album. And he'd say, oh, look at these. Would you like to look at these? Uh, do you have any erotic photographs of your wife? <laughs> and they'd say, um, no, I haven't. And so he'd produce the Polaroid camera and go... Would you like some? <laughs> now, these are the things that I want covered in this book. I will not be happy if they are. You want the fannies covered? I want the fannies covered. You do. In depth. You do. In depth fanny covered. In covering. depth. Um, no, so not just the I... anally. Oh, no, no, no. Now no. then, uh, the other thing that did turn up, though, here we are. I've. Um, uh, oh, pure do you comfort. You like that, then? You love I like, it, don't you? I, I love this. This is the Archer's Archive book. I love this. It's beautiful. Um, so this basically covers every storyline in the Archers. Are there fannies in that? Uh, occasional fannies, you know. Um, when's this go? Well, this was published 2010, which oh. is shortly before I started listening. 
so I can, I can finally catch up on the previous 60 years that I've missed. Oh, so but, that goes right back. Right back to the first episode, when it was just a regional programme. It was just made for the Midlands uh, in its pilot days, before it went nationwide, excuse me. Um, and I think just flicking through it, because I've listened to that programme for about five years now, about five years properly. Um, I used to listen to it occasionally when I was quite young, when I was 14 or 15. And I'd say, I'm going to listen to The Archers, Mother. Yeah. And I'd go off and I'd listen to The Archers and I'd make myself listen to it, even though I didn't know what was going on and I didn't enjoy it. And then I'd come back every couple of years to see if I was ready yet. And it wasn't really until I hit 40 I went, oh, yes, now I understand The Archers. Right. Started listening. But flicking through this and having that five years or so of listening now... It's the tradition that I, I've discovered I love. Every year you get the fruit and produce fair. Every year where someone's entered a marrow, as you do in the country. Yes. Um, every year you get the uh, the village show as well, where Linda Snell, who is this ridiculously brilliantly performed character... Um, puts on a show, and every year the storyline goes, Linda, are you going to put on a show? No, dear, I've retired. Will you not? No, dear. Disaster. Linda directs the show. Along the way, there are rehearsals, people who can't act, and it's all going to shit. And then, all of a sudden, Doctor Theatre steps in and the show's a magnificent success. They literally get the scripts out every year and just go, yeah, just do them again. They're fine. And I love that repetition. It, it feels like being welcomed into a village. You've got to be there a Old long time. gardening jumper. Yes. You've got to accept mm. the traditions of, the, of these people, and then you're in there. You, so, yeah, hence, your yeah. ideal world would be a part in the Archers, would it not? I could do that. Yeah, you'd like that. Do I you know why? You do you know on. why? They only record two Sundays a month. That's yeah. it. Now, I could do that. And nothing else. I could then Yeah, the home. trouble is that if, if chaps like us only have like a job, what was it, two Sundays a month? Mm-hmm. That means the rest of the month we'd get horribly drunk. Well, yeah. Let's be honest. I'd watch television. Uh, yeah, maybe through a fog of whiskey and despair. And the downside of this, you were saying, is what? Yeah. I, you I, end up I, falling down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Not in your house, though. <coughs> no stairs. Very no. sensibly thought out here. The marrow rest. The, yes. Although, uh, last night, you know, with the storm last night, mm. um, there is, um, I've got a vent in the kitchen. Uh, it's quite high up. It's about 10 foot off the ground. Looks like an air vent. And at, at various points, I've had men, proper men with ladders Trash. and things, look through this. And I've, do I have to have it there? Can it be moved? And they always, we can't work out where it goes or what it's for. So we're going to leave it. Mm. Now then, in the kitchen, if there's a wind blowing, you hear a proper noise from it. But it comes through that vent, goes down the wall cavity and comes out on floor level with a proper woo sound. Get that recorded. Oh, it's beautiful. But last night, I was in the kitchen, three o'clock in the morning, fetching myself a little drink, and all of a sudden there's... But it was so strong, it knocked one of the kickboards down on the uh, bottom of the kitchen. I nearly shit my pants. I bet you bloody did. I very nearly did. That was a proper Michael Horton noise, a proper... Ooh, no. (laughs) Proper one of them, and then, poof, down it comes. There we go. That one wasn't paranormal. You see, kitchen-related trauma is very much the order of the week, isn't it? You know, I can smell Mm. gas, or maybe Mm. it's a a spirit trapped in the pipes. Um, And 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 there you are with your sort of with with the vent kickboard, haunted kickboards with Paul Carmichael. (laughs) I've been sent a letter from a man in. I'll commission that. That'd be great. Well, you've been watching Dead of Night this week, and and an episode, Dead of Mm. Night being the 1972 BBC spooky series, um, of which the stone tape was meant to be a part. And and stone tape was meant to be. Yeah, stone tape was so good it became a standalone. But there's only three exist, and of which a woman sobbing is a very. Have you watched that one yet? You know, no, I haven't. I've watched The Exorcist. Very offensive. And then there's a woman sobbing, which was number seven. Mm. And the other one, is it Return Flight or something yeah. flight? Uh, that's episode two. So I'm going to have another one of those today. Broadcast around this time of year in 1972. A very nice year, of course. A wonderful um, year. Wonderful Brought the year. world me. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so, God, it's so effective to watch it, isn't it? That's the exorcism, such... um, if you watch it with people who don't understand 
what mm. things are, what they're watching, um, they will start sniggering at, at the potential, potential, mm. not, not, not for me, obvs, no. the potential overacting that goes on, you know. Mm. Um, but it's certainly an interesting conceit, isn't it? I mean, it, it's a sort of, it's an Irish potato famine thing, isn't it? It's sort of making a social comment about upwardly mobile people moving out to the country, buying mm. up what were three or four different old cottages, knocking them through into one mm. superior 70s dwelling, um, and it's sort of like it, it, it's dripping in things like the rotisserie, isn't it? And plenty. It's That's it's all it. plenty. It is. It absolutely is. But uh, then you start to get these wonderful, wonderful events happening. Very little at first. Well, I say very little. I think the first thing that happens is they sit down to dinner, and um, one of one of your chaps lifts the wine to his lips, and he's got blood yeah. instead of wine. Yeah. And nobody else thinks everybody else has got wine and they taste his and it's it's wine and he tastes again and he can taste blood. And then it's a series of events and it escalates very quickly, which mm. I, I rather like. They're like little set pieces of horror, aren't yeah. they, that last maybe three or four minutes. And my favourite one, I think, out of these three or four uh, set pieces is uh, when one of the women, it's two men, two women, you've got Clive Swift, um, yes. he of the most rude Doctor Who magazine interview ever conducted. Good. Why are you talking to me? Why are you wasting my time? Wonderful yes. interview. Worth looking for. Um, and Anna Cropper is in there as well, who was uh, married to William Roach from Coronation Street, yeah. who stars in Robin Redbreast, which is, of course, an epitome of uh, folk horror telly. But then you've got a sequence where one of these uh, women says, I can't see anything. And you think, oh, blind, blinded by mm. the spirits. But no, she means that when you go to the to the window and you look out, you can't see anything. Says so there should be the shapes of the shadows of the of the uh, of the fields, and I cut, and there's nothing out there, and it's so effectively played. But of course, at the end of the day, it's also a brilliant idea because it means they didn't have to bother with a painted backdrop. Yeah. You just put the black tabs around. There's nothing there at all. So, an effective use of telly. But God, it's good. It's yeah, so we won't good. give away the ending. It's so no, tempting no. because the ending's so Quite horrific. Of, yeah, yeah. I liked the sort of the epilogue, if if you know the bit I mean, that's yes. at the end. With yeah, a lovely epilogue, cameo by Kenneth Kendall. Kenneth Kendall, I think, I think. absolutely. Oh, um, could it be more 1972? Folk horror with Kenneth Kendall. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I love it. But if you watch it with lay people, obviously they think it's overacted. But if you watch the stone tape with lay people, they're just like... This has just been 90 minutes of screaming, and you're like, yes. Yes, that's the point. Yeah. It's 90 minutes of, of speaking, and your lead actor's got his balls out. That's what we want. Quite so. Quite so. Michael Bryant in that. Michael. We can't go on about Michael Bryant for another hour. However, no. I'd like to. Oh. Um, but yes, but, so you've watched that this week. What have I found time to watch? Have I watched? I don't think I've watched a thing this week. Because, really? yeah, I, don't, I really don't think I have. Uh, let me try and think. No. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I have. I don't think I've watched anything. I don't think oh I've had God. time to watch anything. But you always make time for television, and I like that. I like always, that in a man. Always make a little bit of time for television. What was I watching apart from that? I was watching Going Underground, um, which is the documentary I, I sent you about the London sewers. Um, now, who's... Who did I say was in it? There's a really unlikely person wandering the sewers. It's like Lorraine Chase shows you around the sewers or something like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to check. Not Angela I'm Rippon. No, no. It, it's someone even less likely. It's somebody with no background in current affairs on news. Yeah. Uh, so, um, hang on. Going underground. Sorry, viewers. We, we cut yeah, to something Rice. at this point if we gave a shit. Oh, no, this is well before... Um, well before that, because um, it's 1970. Oh, I uh, see. Oh, come on. BBC, 1970. This is what they tune in for, a man Googling something. A man Googling things. Yes. Anally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't find it. I don't care. Look, it's somebody fa very famous, like Tessa Wyatt or someone, shows you around the London sewers. I'll find it and I'll put a link up. Um, Good. So, but I watched that. And then there was something else I watched. Oh, um, I watched what is meant to be the earliest surviving piece of telly fantasy uh, from 1949. Yeah. And it was broadcast in America. 
Because unfortunately, you know, the very first piece of proper telefancy was H.G. Uh, Wells's The Time Machine, made at Alexandra Palace, but we didn't record it, of course. Ah, um, but uh, this is called um, Volume 1, Number 4. And it's a two-hander with two people on the top of what looks like a revolving restaurant looking over the world. But they play it with a great sense of menace and it's full of tense dialogue. But I don't mm. know what the fuck it's about. I, no. There's no story. It's just two people being tense and saying, look over there, look at the bank of machines. So they walk off camera, but they don't cut to a bank of machines because it's not being built. So they literally walk off camera. The shot stays there and they do some dialogue off camera and then run back on. But it is the first piece of telefantasy. Um, so it, that it, worth a watch to see some incredibly yeah. poor acting. Um, yes. uh, that uh, 1949 live broadcast of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony uh, by NBC. Again, America. Because they, they kept early things much more than we did. That makes me jolly cross. Yes. Well, you see, we had such short sight in this country. Immediately mm. when you say the word two-hander, it's just like, snort. Finbar Saunders <laughs> is definitely in the house today. Um, uh, so, oh, I had a two-hander on Wednesday night. Absolutely. Um, didn't wake up till but, Friday. Yeah, um, lovely stuff, though. Nice to just sit back and watch stuff from... God, before te before you think of telly being around, to me, telly starts in 1953. I know it didn't, but it starts with the coronation. coronation and that's yeah. it. Nothing beforehand. Or at least nobody yeah. watching anything. And then all of a sudden, well, Noel Gordon doing colour tests for John Logie Bird. But apart yeah. from that, telly starts there. So to watch this early stuff, it's like, ooh. I think I've retreated more into book world because it's this time of year. To. Yeah, mm. I've I've just been it's been books, books, books. You know what I mean? Um, fire going, which is why the gas had to be switched off because uh, yeah. I like a fire. Um, so fire, uh, mm. candlelight, books, mm. um, and I'm afraid that's that's where it's at at the uh, moment. No, that's, no, that's a, well, I'll tell you, what it is it? What series is mm. there? And it'll be something you've watched before, because the things we've watched before are the best. Yes. What series at the moment would tempt you to go, let's have a winter rewatch? Is there anything? Oh, new telly? No, 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 no. Proper telly. Proper telly. Proper telly that needs a rewatch. Um, oh, or isn't God. there at the moment? Is it so much... You're so entrenched in book season that... I am isn't. entrenched in books. I'm also doing lots of writing. Lots yes. of writing seems to be happening. I, I seem to be playing the piano... A lot. Um, yeah. And my poor neighbours must be sick of me. Um, I think, what <laughs> what day was it? I must have played the piano. I, I have a cut-off. I have a 9am. I won't start before 9am. Right. I think that's only fair. But after 9am, right. it's roll like the barrel. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're getting the full on. Do you remember that fella with the longer, the cockney geezer who sat at a piano, used to turn up in Minders and the Sweeney and all that? Yes. He used to yeah. always be in a sort of sweating chat. Well, him, really. You're living next door to him. Lovely. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm sure your neighbours are enjoying that immensely. They are, I'm certain. I am <laughs> certain. The fact that they are never here, I think, speaks volumes. Yeah, I um, think so. You know, um, no, I, so I've been doing lots of that. I've been doing mm. lots of writing of music and songs and things like that. We've both been writing, haven't we? Which is yes. rather nice. Just yes. churning out ideas, seeing what happens. Yes, well, um, we are engaged in the process of writing the Nice Things movie, which you'll all be nice able to, movie, you know, yeah. both of both of you uh, listeners will be able to, to yeah. chuck in some money. To well, that a special shout out to our fans in is it Uganda. I always forget oh, where the Ghanaians. lads are. Ghanaians, Ghanaians. Yes, I always forget where you are. Yes, uh, um, <laughs> maybe they the, will. What uh, is the unit of currency, though? Whatever it is, we will accept it. We will accept it, We absolutely. will accept it. But, uh, I mean, for me, sort of like what's... Because, of course, I've, I've had a bit of a flurry of writing this morning, and what mm. triggered it is that yesterday... Um, well, yesterday was the storm, but also Stephen Sondheim uh, passed mm. on. Now... This surprises me. It surprised me, because I'm not a musical theatre fan. No. But then you, you delve a little deeper away from what I perceive as being contemporary musical theatre, which is just people with issues self-harming to discordant music and weeping. Um, That's right. But then you've got Stephen Sondheim with his first big hit, West Side Story. Now, I'm no, no huge fan, but... When you're thing. a jet, you're a jet to the end. <laughs> 
You've just reminded me that I hate it. Of, of course, this is what it's sort of like, you know, I can't imagine yeah. you in the sort of white T-shirt with the leather jacket with the collar up. Absolutely not. No, no never. No, that no. would never happen. Absolutely not. But, no. but he did write Send in the Clowns. Which, there's a lovely version, again, on, on uh, YouTube, of Judy Dench singing it, that everyone knows, oh, here's Judy Dench doing it. Whatever. Have a look at the rehearsal footage. You've got her in rehearsal singing it on the South Bank show. Now that, you know, it's the Dench. Don't care what anyone says, it's the Dench. Sending the Clowns is yes. either the musical stylings of Barbara Dixon on, on The Two Ronnies, mm. or someone like Stutz Burkatz on Des O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> doing it every week. Have a look at Judy Dench doing it. It's like, oh, because it's because it's Dench, and you go, oh, very well done, Jules. So you've got that. Um, but then I, I had a little watch of an interview um, with him, and this is about one o'clock this morning. Um, and he gets asked a question about when did you um, learn to write, and he talks about how when he was sixteen, he started working with um, Oscars of Oscars and Hammerstein, hmm. um, and almost like as an apprentice. And he wrote a musical and presents it to Oscars, who looks at it and says, who are you writing for? Because at the moment you're writing for me. And he was like, well, I've been trying to write in his style to impress him. And Oscars said to him, the thing that you've got to do is you've got to write for yourself. And that's triggered something here. Because, of course, I'm yeah, the writing that I did about live TV, that was all very formulaic and it was for them and they were like we, we want jokes about penises that we can broadcast before midday we're still doing them dear we still are now nothing changes but writing for someone else and suddenly him going write for yourself maybe go well, oh shit yes obviously mm. so that's i think what's triggered a little shift in me so i think I'll it's a fair... raise my glass of iron brew to him on that one well i think it's a yes uh well done um, I think it's um, I think it's one of those uh, yeah. d- difficult asks to have your own voice when you're creating anything. I mean, speaking as as somebody, mm. speaking as a man with daughters. No, speaking as someone who's sort of no, been no. Uh, singing, shall we say, if you want to call it that, mm. for thirty years, um, mm. uh, at least semi-professionally, with great periods of doing it professionally. Um, mm. I think it's only in the last year or two that I've actually found my voice in terms of a singing voice mm. which really it's sort of it's one of those things I never thought I could I would do if you know what I mean so I'll write a song and it'll sound a bit like something or other and and therefore I will temper the vocal accordingly and then mm. you know people have said to me over the years with the stuff I do it's like none of these they all sound like different people doing them do you get yeah. what I mean so no, I think no, absolutely that, I think that's one of the one of the most fundamental things that artists must crack, finding mm. their own voice, writing for themselves. And it's so, so difficult because we always have a target audience in mind whom we wish to impress. I think that the greatest success and the greatest innovation for artists comes when they actually tap into their own, mm. their own no, self. No, I, I absolutely I would agree with that. Do you do that when you're not songwriting but writing writing as well, do you think? Yeah, I've never, I suppose with writing, I've never spent enough time with it. One thing I noticed with writing, mm. certainly when we were doing Ron's and End, is <clears throat> that because I was, because I had to learn so much of it, thank you to you, um, I, I was sort of replicating the, the speech patterns and the rhythms mm. an awful lot. I think you do that when you get into sort of, when you're, you're learning how someone else writes in order to replicate it. Yeah, no, I think so. It's borrowing styles here and there, which I think it's, works it's unconscious. It's unconscious, but then I think it's unconscious as an actor as well, isn't it? That you are, I think we've talked about before, how you're like a magpie and you go, oh, I've Patrick yeah. Weimark, the way he turns camera right, I'll, I'll have yeah. that. I'll have yeah. a bit of this, bit of that. And you, and you do that. But I think as a writer, yeah, it's just for me, it's a, that realisation of you know, <clears throat> stop trying to write things that you think other people would want mm. to see because at the moment people are writing shit that yeah. I don't want to see. So to do, where's the satisfaction? So, pardon me, <clears throat> to hear somebody um, say, just write for yourself. Yeah, all of a sudden I found myself with a with an A4 pad scribbling and, and ideas. Right. And what would I like? And that's where the, that's where all that WhatsApp nonsense you got today has come from. Good, going, right? Blah, I advise I you to listen funny. to Mr. Sondheim more. Then 
Yes, but not his recordings. Oh, God, no. I can't... St- I don't <laughs> like musicals. The only musical no. I like... Uh, I like stuff that Newley and Brickus did. Do you know what, what I mean? Who, Particularly... No. Anton Newley this? and Leslie Brickus. Oh! The Scrooge musical. Different, yeah. That's better. Yeah, I like mm. things like that. Um... Mm. And I love Anthony Anthony Newley and Leslie Bricks. I love the the stuff. So mm. such a diverse range of material, you know. Mm. Um, but I don't I don't tend to like American musicals. I don't like Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice things. Oh no, um, not at all. I, I don't like any of that. To be quite honest with you, um, see, I say I don't, but then unfortunately, I I do have this one guilty secret, yeah. which is I went to a performance uh, of one musical. And really enjoyed it. But let me just provide a caveat here that there is a reason for this when I tell you that this musical was called Legally Blonde. Now then, I'm not a chap. I am not a chap who would choose to go and watch Legally Blonde. What what Uh, is this? What is this fresh hell? Well, Legally Blonde was a film from the 90s starring um, Reese Witherspoon or somebody like that. No, um, Alicia Silverstone. I love her pubs. Yeah. Um, Alicia Silverstone as this blonde, I believe she was called an Urhead, mm. who carried a dog around a New York high school. Mm. It was a bit like Degrassi Junior High. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, but I went. Who to are see, you, I, and what have you done with no, Paul? <laughs> well, let me explain. I have to go and see this because it was on a work trip, taking the children to go and see something. So I watched Legally Blonde. And it starred lots of people I've never heard, but have probably been in Holly Oaks. But in the in the lead role as the grumpy head teacher was one Mr. Peter Davison. Ah, right. right. Davison goes on stage. Clearly, he's enjoying playing the villain quite a lot. But he's surrounded by all of these kids in their twenties acting, and I got the feeling he's just a bit. I'm Peter Davison, though. I got the feeling there was that. And they when he came out for the curtain call at the end. All the youngsters come out, the leads, and they take their bow, and people are screaming. Davison comes out, waiting for his rapturous applause, and there's a lot of applause and polite, but not as much as the two kids have just had. So Davison puts his hand to his ear like that, as though he's going, come on, I can't hear you, and the applause doesn't increase. At which point, he just gives them the V sign, like that, and (laughs) and walks back. I thought he'd have booted the kids into the orchestra pit. That was wonderful. He just went like that. And I think he mimed, oh, fuck off then. And I was just, that's it. I love this now because of that. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I'd sat there for two and a half hours going, I want to go to the pub. And then he'd come on. I'd go, Peter Davison's on stage though. Yeah. But to see him come down stage at the end and flick the Vs to this young audience was, God, that was beautiful that moment i enjoyed that Presumably he probably he did, did this... it every night i don't care yeah that's I what i'm saying it. that's what i'm saying it's it's just like you know surely this wasn't once he did it you know what the the show i mean it must have been a long run oh yeah it would have been it was it was years this run i presume he would have done six months of it but then can you imagine being illegally blonde for six months i bet the money was good Oh, the money would have been very good. The money would have been wonderful, dear. These mm. people have huge egos. This is what we forget. This is what we forget. We, we, mm. we forget that they can sort of ride out any storm in their lives because they've got themselves. Mm. Wouldn't that be a nice position to be in? It's just like, you can all fuck off. I've got me. Yes. Oh, I'd love that. That would that. be, that would be that. lovely. And Instead I don't of even being th- like, oh, no, everyone's gone off. Oh, fucking hell, me. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, absolutely. And I, I don't even think it's a bad thing. It doesn't make me go, oh, what a nasty man. It makes me go, fair enough, I would too. I'll be honest, yeah, I would too. I think but you I'm... have that ego, though. I think you do have that ego where you think you're great. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm in sort of like in awe of that. I want that. How do <laughs> well, I get that? Where do I sign? Can I have well, some? Well, no, it's a strange thing because I, I don't think you'll meet anybody as riddled with self-doubt as me in a thousand different ways. But on the other hand, flip the coin and there is this thing that goes, ah, yes, but I'm me, so I'm okay, aren't I? There is that element. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Very no, strange. I don't. I'd like some of it though, please. If it's, you've got any spur, I, I'd yeah. kind of like to feel like that. I think that, um, yeah, it's kind of. John Lennon said, didn't he? Sort of like half of me feels like I'm a loser, the other half feels like I'm Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know? So yeah. uh, maybe that's the kind of feeling you're trying to describe. 
I think it might be that. I mean, you yeah. do get to a point, don't you, where people say, you're really good at that, and you go, it's just what I do. Yeah, and that's it, the trouble, in it? That, do you know of what course I mean? I'm feels... fucking good at it. Maybe this is maybe this is ego I'm discussing. But, but I, don't, I don't even know that, if it's yeah. ego, because I think it's more sort of like people will go, God almighty, that's amazing, I couldn't do that. And to you, it's just like, it's just second nature. Something yeah. like walking on stage <laughs> to a thousand people, and be like, don't know how you do that. You just do it. You just walk I and... have to. Yeah. I have to. <laughs> it's a compulsion, isn't it? You it make is com- it happen. If no one will employ you, you then go and hire the bloody theatre and make it happen. Except I will also do anything to avoid doing it. Yeah, I don't get that bit. I don't get that bit. Like, I've just been asked... I've been asked to do a Shakespeare, dear. Um, it's the it first... A little bit of the Shakespeare. So it's the first one I will have done in five years. Yeah. And every part of me is trying to think of how to get out of it. Whilst wow. making sure I'm telling enough people that I'm doing it so I can't get out of it. But, yeah. But it'll be a situation. I know what will happen here. Is when I when I did Leah when I when I gave my Leah um, <laughs> it, it was in Dublin and I it was lucky it was in Dublin because if it had been on the UK mainland I would have gone to the nearest train station but I was completely sort of like well I, I can't go I've got to do this so I was quite indignantly upset that I had to do this right. um, because it felt like the one thing in the world I didn't want to do until I got out there and was doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not stage fright, wasn't scared, didn't, wasn't sick or anything like couldn't that. It was just, couldn't be asked. Part of me was just going, oh, do I really? Oh, okay, if I have to. But I didn't particularly want to, but I feel a compulsion to. Yes, it's a, strange it's a compulsion. Thing. I, I yeah. enjoy the escape. That's what yeah. I like. I like the idea that for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it may be, I don't think about my bullshit. That's mm. the bit I like. Mm. That's that's the bit I love, and and I think that the elevation, elevated levels of fear, um, mm. are an aspect of that. I feel when I'm backed into a corner, I will do it. Unless I'm backed into a corner, I I can't do it. Do you know no, what I mean? Absolutely. I won't do anything unless mm. I tie myself in. I make, so I make future me. I make an enemy of myself to future me, mm. all the time. By yeah. agreeing for future, you know, it's like that. That's a problem for future, Michael. Oh, yes. I wouldn't like to be him. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That's 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 what I do. Um, mm. So uh, you got to you've got to set these things up. Otherwise, you just won't. And that's 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 the thing. That's the the problem with with this. That's why we need agents. That's why we need lay people to to keep the wheels turning. Yeah, and I think that's also why you need people producing enough total dog shit so you eventually get cross and go, right, I'll do it, then if you can't do it, I'll have to do it. There's that element as well. Yeah, maybe, which is, yeah. Which is maybe where I've got to over the past year is just just getting sick of turning on the television <sighs> and seeing mediocre shit that's got a moral message. I mean, mm. I used to enjoy watching... Happy days and things like that when I was a kid, because at the I know, but because at the wow. but I would watch it with this ironic sort of like um, raised eyebrow because at the end of it it would always be in, ah yeah but we've all learned something haven't we that was one possibility right. you get that ah we've all learned something haven't we and I would want to be sick but I'd enjoy those moments right and I'd also enjoy the ones where at the end of a drama you'd feel a need to sort of like finish on a bit of a joke, on a bit of a gag line to just go, oh, oh, we go. Bergerac would do it. Star Cops would do it. They'd always have that moment to go, well, let's see what happens next, eh? Freeze yeah. frame of everyone smiling. And Linda Newton, who is an Australian actress, bloody brilliant actress who was in Star Cops, um, referred to these endings as a dog barks and everybody laughs. Right. And she's quite right. It's that yes. sort of thing, you know. At the end of one of those programs, what do you think, Skippy? Row, row, ha ha ha! Freeze frame. Yeah, it's Quincy that sort was of a bastard for that. Do you ever watch Quincy? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Where they were all in a, it was like in a, a bar on a on a yacht or something, weren't they? Mm, that and sort it had of ended. It was like ha ha ha! Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Like that. Fuck yeah. off. Yes, and it's but I've been seeing that sort of thing in infiltrating television made in this country. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I think it's time for a bit of cynicism. Yes. And a bit of just like straightforward sort of 
anger. There's no anger on on TV. It's the there's nuts. no no. You I know, don't watch n- it anymore. There's none of the anger of Steptoe. There's none of the indignancy of Hancock. Right. There's none of the pomposity of Mannering in comedy. Right. It's all it's all about you know couples who've had a baby together and now they're <gasps> struggling a bit. I don't care. I don't care about that sort of bullshit. I want to see Heidi High, but you know, I want to see something like that where I can tune in. We were discussing this the other day, weren't we? And it's this idea that these days people sit down with a five series commission and they work out the story arc. So series four, they're going to lose the baby, but series five, the mother-in-law moves it. Bullshit. Don't give me development. I want two characters in a space trapped together. I don't want them to develop. I want to know who they are, and each week a different thing happens, and they'll react. That's all I want. Stop see, giving me. Stop trying to teach me. Don't fucking moralise to me. I'm nearly fifty. I don't need to be told morals. If I wanted those, I'd have got them by now. No, I'm pushing fifty. That's exercise enough for me. Yes, John. Um, Jolly Twain said. Um, yeah. But I think that what's I don't know because I don't watch it. Potentially, Good. what is missing from modern tele- television is genuine pathos. I mean, what you explained there, uh, what you described there, I mean, Heidi High is absolutely, you know, works on a, a sort of visceral... I know this sounds complete bullshit. Have you, no, have you been on the on the window lane again, Livesley? Um, but, but, but Heidi High works on a very, very deep sort of pathological level because you've got the sort of... You've got the, the, the likes of Ted, who it's sort of like he is sort of slumming it, isn't he? He's obviously yeah. had some problem with gambling or addiction or something it's like dr- that. Drink or something. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got but the we don't young know. idealistic Spike, have you? Yeah. Who looks up to this guy, quite unworthy, who's always like pulling his pants down and ripping mm. him off. Then you've got Peggy. Who's that genuinely sort of like this? This sad. <laughs> the bit's so sad, and I know that I always, uh, I always have that phrase of of Gladys going, "Fucking rubbish, Peggy," as if it's <laughs> as if it was one week where she's like, "What do you think?" When she shows her a party piece, and there's a pause, and then uh, Ruth Maddock delivers the immortal line, "Fuck." Fucking rubbish, Peggy. You know what I mean? And everybody laughs. Now, that episode didn't happen, and I know it didn't happen, but I like the idea of Ruth Maddock just going, fucking rubbish, Peggy. It Um, should have happened. It should have happened. But you've got all that working at a deep pathological level. I mean, and then you've got Barry and Yvonne. They're just superb characters. The inverted snobbery there. And and he's obviously gay. You know what I mean? And, And all of that. Um, I I think that Heidi High is one of those comedies that is genuinely under, genuinely underrated. Oh, it is genuinely wonderful. The my favourite thing, Heidi High, every week was the closing credits, but not because not because I I was waiting for it to end because I'd loved it, but I knew there was the extra treat at the end. Yes, where they were just all stood immediately after they'd finished the final line, audience cheering, and the cameras are going from there to there to get a yeah. close-up of each of them. Yeah. And every week, Felix Boness would be arguing in mime in yeah. the closing credits, yeah. furiously arguing at the yeah. camera about yeah. something. That yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, it was such God. a great series. I mean, the 80s is... is you know, unfairly regarded as kind of like, you know, the decade in which traditional comedy died. And it's mm. a lot of that blame is laid at the door of things like Allo Allo as well and Heidi. I, I disagree. I, I disagree. fundamentally disagree with Absolutely. any opinion on Allo Allo or Heidi I that yes. is detrimental. Absolutely brilliant series. Absolutely Wonderful. brilliant. Get the box sets from yes. beginning to end. I mean, there was a great fucking... It, it lives on so long in our meme culture. There was something that went on, and I can't think what it was. It was like some government minister or something, and somebody tweeted it like, you know, it said, I have here a letter from Joe Maplin. And it was yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> and it was so perfect. It oh. so perfectly described that. Because when Simon Cadell used to read those, oh, you can all shove it, or oh, whatever it was he was yes. reading, and he wouldn't read certain words, would he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. <coughs> oh, Cadell was wonderful. Brill. He was wonderful Brill. in that. And the Absolutely. unrequited love of Gladys for him. Oh. There was so much going on there, and and, 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 and if you have lived, and if you have loved someone who doesn't love you, he's like, oh, it's funny this. He's like, fuck off, this is proper acting, watch Absolutely. it. And proper it's- writing. 
the layers in that yeah. program in a lower low, the layers without it without it being preachy, without it being dramatic. Yes. It's just so well layered. It's yes. so complex. There's so much Fuck going yeah. on. But it sneaks it in. It doesn't have to just, you know, present oh, the it in. Pathos in it. Oh, beautiful. It's unbelievable. Beautiful. Watch it. If you if you're yes. listening to watching watch us it. now and you haven't seen it, which I find very hard to believe. Yeah. Um, Turn us off at once and watch a lower uh, yeah. uh, Heidi High. Heidi and then high. a lower low. Do both yeah, series. Do them all. Wonderful. Do them all. I mean, it oh, is like most things, it is better with the original cast. I love it when yeah. Kenneth Connor turns up. He turns up in both of them, doesn't he? He does, yes. He, He's he Monsieur Leclerc. In uh, yes. Hello, Hello with his Dicky Ticker, which is just um, a wonderful piece of. He's Whenever not Monsieur Leclerc, is he? He's something else. Monsieur Alphonse. That's right, yeah. That's yeah. it. Monsieur Leclerc is Jack Haig. Of course. Oh, uh, who's he's... also replaced? I mean, by the end, they kind of replaced lots of them in IDI, in, uh, in Hello, Hello. Yeah. And then you have that mad series of Hello, Hello where they were trying to flog it to the Yanks that's 26, 26 episodes, episodes long. 25 minutes each. Yeah. Um, but it worked. They flogged it. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, they and it's superb. It. It's still superb. Those twenty-six episodes, it doesn't feel like it's flagging, you know. It, for some yeah. reason, they create this lovely storyline that's ludicrous enough to allow them to just have a, a stupid thing of the week, you know, a ridiculous plot yeah. of the week. And it's just even that is wonderful. You're right, you know, when you when Jack Haig dies and he yeah. goes, when um Francesca Gonshaw left um, yeah. as uh, one of the waitresses. Maria, um, I was I was distraught because I rather like Francesca. Gorgeous. Gonshaw. She's in early Bergerac as well, isn't she? She is, but, but she she, she's a... gone after series two, I think. Francesca she is. Gonshaw. She got she got the offer to go to Howard's Way, but uh, so, so I started watching Howard's Way. Uh, didn't look back. Given me a lifelong love of brunette ladies. So her and, and a million others, I suppose, that were oh, around yes. us at the time. But, but she is particularly gorgeous in that. She's lovely. Um, she works in an art gallery dealership these days. Well, she would. She would, wouldn't she? She's 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 yeah. so gorgeous. She would. She is a piece of art herself, my dear she boy. Absolutely is. Beautiful. Um, who was the original, uh, the guy with the, and I always remember his, his name, and I can't remember it now, with the Perspex Bowler at Out of Carnival of Monsters in Allo Allo. Leslie Dwyer. Leslie Dwyer. Leslie Dwyer. He's fantastic in, He's a, in Heidi High. Wonderful. He uh, is so curmudgeonly, isn't he? Oh, he is. He's wonderful. Now, and then when he died, that's when Kenneth Connor came in. Uncle Sammy. So we did lose, you know, a couple of people along the way, but they, yeah. they, I think the mistake... The mistake for a lower low was to bring in a replacement actor in the same character as Jack Haig. Because you, yes. you Jack Haig, of course, you see him as Michel Leclerc doing all the looks to camera and the startles <laughs> yeah. and, and the falls. But the thing is, like I didn't realise... Yeah, I didn't realise this until quite recently. That that wasn't... It's not something he did for a lower low. Because he's in... For about 13 years, he was in Crossroads as Archie Gibbs, the gardener. And he was doing exactly the was same he? shtick. Absolutely the same. He There's a, a lovely one that survives with some outdoor VT, and it's him and Benny Hawkins. Clearly, the script's run short by four minutes, so they've just said to Jack Hagen, Paul Henry, go outside the studio... You've got a lawnmower, and just do some impro and work out a clowning routine. And they do. Th- there's this four-minute clowning really? routine at the end of the episode, which concludes perfectly. Right, where you've got Jack Haig, who's been like, "Why is the lawnmower not working?" Come on, Benny. <laughs> Benny tries to fit, and it's one of those lawnmowers you can sit on. Haig gets on the lawnmower, powers it up, and it takes off, and he falls off the back of it. Right. Cue credits on a soap opera. The credits go. And then, of course, you come back for the final scene, and it's literally Haig looks at camera and goes, <sighs> "No way. ATV. That's it. An ATV color production. Just four minutes of Jack Haig being Michelle Leclerc in about nineteen seventy-eight. Beautiful. Brilliant. Beautiful. We've run short. Do the clowning routine, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful." It, there's so much goodness in there. I mean, when we mention Hello, Hello as well, we always forget, you know, one of the things I always think to mention is Gavin Richards, who turns up as, was he Bertorelli? Bertorelli. Bertorelli. Bertorelli, Bertorelli Captain yes. Bertorelli. What a mistake I don't make. But the interesting aspect of that is that Gavin Richards of the Belt and Braces Theatre Company, which was an offshoot from the Everyman in the 70s, was the, the actor who was the first to translate and perform Dario Fo's Accidental Death of an Anarchist, which Absolutely. is on YouTube, go and watch it, I advise you all to. It um, is, yeah, Thames Television recorded uh, him in the lead role uh, and it is 
perfect. Is it Yorkshire break. Tally? Is it Thames? I thought it was Yorkshire. I, I thought it was. It could be Yorkshire or Thames, but there's that lovely point where, of course, at the interval, they have a tea break. Coffee! All, yeah. There's the big EMI 2001 cameras and the cameramen Stunning. join in. Oh, it's beautiful. So there must have been something about, obviously, to, to translate Dario Fo's work. The, Gavin Richards must be of Italian heritage or be an Italian speaker. So, so the fact is that the way that this percolates, this sort of, the way the counterculture of, of Dario Fo's sort of, you know, incredibly political, uh, you know, theatre of the people translates into the mainstream because this is how it used to work. Yes. Is as uh, as what a mistake to make. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's it, I love that sort of the the way in which Littlewood's players end up um, in uh, becoming the stars of TV sitcom in the seventies. Absolutely, absolutely, you know? and we've and lost the, that continuum. That's it. We've lost that. We've lost rep. We've lost yeah. rep and that ability to go from, you know, doing the clubs to going into rep to doing a big season with the Royal Shakespeare to suddenly you are Doctor Who or suddenly you are yeah. leading in Steptoe and Son. Suddenly you get that fame that way. We've lost the steps yes. um, that lead us up. So these people have to appear from nowhere and often reality television yeah. because where, where now do they come from? Yeah. You know, it's sad, isn't it, that, that we've lost that tradition. That tradition has existed for hundreds of years. You know, yeah. ever since in this country, theatre became a, a professional thing. We would have that where you would join a theatre company as a very junior member and you would work your way up and yeah. join a new company. And it happened then when radio came on, you'd get people going into radio or into the films or into television. That, But those that, those steps have been pulled away. And they are the critical uh, elements in finding your voice or finding your style or writing what you know. You've got to have lived in order to, you know, create these things. You have to. You have to. It's that whole, the opportunity for, for the artist to learn their trade. Mm. Um, Debbie Watling, lover, uh, Debbie Watling, um, originally, you know, she was Victoria in Doctor Who. I'm mentioning it a lot this week. We've had a week off. Yeah, yeah, um, she went for a part earlier in Doctor Who. She went up for the part of Polly, eventually played by Annika Wills, and she auditioned right. for Innes Lloyd. And he said it was a very good audition. And by this point, she'd been a child actor in The Invisible Man for ITC and all this sort of stuff. So it's a very good audition, but you need to learn your trade. Ah. And she said, well, how do I learn my trade? And he said, well, okay, let's see how we can do that. So he gave her the lead in the Dennis Potter, Alice in Wonderland play. That was a Wednesday play. It's like, learn your trade, girl. Go and do the Wednesday play. Then come back for Doctor Who. But the opportunities for actors to learn their trade by getting a part in, in a, a thing to test them out, which they then step onto the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, they're gone as well. Because we aren't producing that much drama anymore yeah. we haven't got the studios we don't do multi-camera so if you want to do six episodes of doctor who it's going to take you 10 months to shoot whereas it should take six weeks yes we've, we've not got we've not got the industry anymore to produce the people we need for the industry yes and, and i think that in these situations what you have to do is to become the industry you know, this goes back to that whole thing about, you know, if there are if there is no television that you enjoy, you better make some. If there are no films that you want to watch, then write one. You know, yes. if there is no theatre you wish to go and see, hire a theatre and go and do it. You know, that's mm. always been my credo. It's like, just, yeah. just do it. You know what I mean? And I think mm. that too many of us get bogged down in just complaining. I'm certainly guilty of it. Certainly the last two to three years, and mm. I've used this bloody pandemic as an excuse like a lot of people have you mm. know it's like oh this all oh, that all oh, the other well we can't do anything can we and it's like bullshit you can be writing you know what I yes mean? you can be getting on with it you don't have to just if you are chucked an excuse you don't have to grab it with both hands and no, i'm absolutely. guilty of that but yeah. i think that the message has to be out of this all right enough now we don't like mm. this it's poo there's nothing for us we must make something i think so I absolutely think so. 
that hence why we have nice things. Hence why we have nice things. And and this is the opening salvo in that, isn't it, really? It absolutely you know, is, yeah. And it's getting to that point where we are creating. So you will all creating. have an opportunity to fund something quite sh- soon. Oh, yeah. That'll be, yes. that'll be nice for we won't it when we come to you with the begging bowl. So, please, yes. sir, could you fund a little a little venture for two gentlemen? Yes. Two weary travellers of the road. Yes. Uh, no, no children will benefit from the, on the end of the day. It'll be jolly good fun for us. It will be jolly good fun for us and the viewer. Yes, and I suppose it. on that tantalising note, mm. um, I think that we've exhausted this week's... Um, I think we've got ourselves up into rather a lather. I think um, we have, yeah. That, that, yeah. that sounds like a great catchphrase, doesn't it? You know, Arthur rather a lather Johnson. You oh. know, the Halambra Bradford. Yes. Uh, in, in, um, <laughs> in Aladdin or something like that. And that's his catchphrase. Oh, rather a lather. And everyone laughs. Oh, Perfect. Arthur Johnson is touring in rather a lather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get it written. Someone should write us that. Someone should get rather a lather written. It's it's it's. Uh, what would that be? The light program. That would be on the light program. Absolutely. Just before Journey into Space. That would. Yes. Be on. It would be. Oh. Would he? What would it? Would it be a situation comedy? Would he run? Would he inherit a a washing? Machine factor. What would it be, rather? Oh, I think. I think. Yeah. Let's say he um he he inherits a a washing machine factory from a recently deceased uncle. But would it be? Um, what what were them bloody things? Those scrubbing boards they used to use for washboards. Oh, washboards. Yeah, Yeah. it's a washboard factory. Washboard uh, factory in uh, Ottleston. He inherits it. He comes back for the will reading. It doesn't need the first one. You yes. know, and it comes. What, what will I do with a washboard factory? Um, I tell you, it could be. What's his bloody name? It's not an Arthur Johnson. Who's the the day war broker? Rob Wilton. Rob, Rob Wilton. Wilton in rather a lather. What will oh. I do with a washboard factory? Oh, that's what we need. We'll bring in Hilda, Hilda Baker when the Hilda ratings Baker, start. Hilda Baker, Joe Gladwin, get them all in. Perfect. That's you know. what you want. Oh, that's what we need. <laughs> we need Joe Gladwin back or an we equivalent. God, him. I love Joe Gladwin. Ah, he was great, wasn't he? He Wonderful. was superb. I he's mean, another one. He became another an one where you could see him in nearest and dearest and last of the summer wine, and he was just being Joe Gladwin. Just Joe Gladwin. Mugging the camera perfectly. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we all, as well as that blokes who looked and sounded like Joe Gladwin, there were many when I grew up. Mm. They dressed in that three-piece suit and the flat cap, you know. Oh, there, were, yeah. there were loads of them when I was growing up. I mean, yeah, there was absolutely. Bert who lived on our street. He lived at number 13. And mm. he used to come home at three o'clock in the afternoon after being in the reading room all afternoon. The ADOT reading room was just men only. And it's oh, still there. And, yeah. uh, you know, chaps, obviously the idea is you sit there and read your, your Newton and Goldburn advertiser and don't speak. And yeah. just sip pints a mile. But he used to come home like in the afternoon and you'd be like, wow, here he comes. And he'd be swinging around the lamppost, pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but in it, looking dressed just like Joe Gladwin, you know. Oh, perfect! But Absolutely, they've taken need... it all away. It's all gone. We need a new generation of Joe Gladwin. We do, we do, we do. And and I used to take his paper round after my paper round. He's taking his paper, and I used to walk through into the front room where he was allowed. Where he'd sit mm. with his his wireless on, listening to whatever radio three or four, and I'd take that through, and he'd be like, he'd I'd, I'd get him twenty. I think there was. Were they, because uh, he was in the Navy, which meant that you had to smoke. Were they called Navy Cut or something? Players, anyway. Players. Because you players, had a sailor yeah. on the front, didn't you? That's oh, right. Oh, no, I'll tell blue. you what it was. Senior service they were. Senior service. Were they all in a row? 20 yes, fags in a row. In a row, in not a row. not stacked, but in a row. Yeah. And I used to bring him twenty of them in his book and his paper, and he'd he'd always be like, "Yeah, I'll have a go with that whiskey," and I'll still be about eight. Do you know what oh, I mean? Bert, yes. ah, God bless him. He was a smashing fella. He was Absolutely. a smashing fella. Um, all dead, all of them dead. Hell, family gone. <laughs> <laughs> but we remember them. We do, we do remember them um, very fondly as well. We do indeed, yes. We do. Uh, Joe Gladwin, yeah. <sighs> Missionary. Oh, that's that's um, um that's him in uh, nearest and dearest, nearest and dearest. That is perfect. Oh, a proper. Wasn't he in? Uh, who was the cafe owner in? 
Last of the Summer Wine. Oh, now now he died, didn't he? Because originally he did. it was him and Ivy. Yes. Um, was it? It was in something called I Only Asked. Was it? Yes. Is it called? No. What was that thing no. called? Where they had the uh, pardon? I heard that. Oh, what was that oh, called? Hang on, hang Didn't on, he I'm do gonna... well or something? And what, what was it called? That don't don't tell me. Let me try and no, think. I, this I, is I, old men trying to remember stuff again. Right. Well, Ron the actor Wilton. was called John Comer. John right? Comer, he, brilliant. John yes. Comer for, died in 1984. Um, oh, and I think you might be right. Hang on, it's um, he played the part of Les Brandon in I Didn't Know You Curd. I Didn't Know You Curd. That was it. There that was one of those shows that they changed lots of the principal cast in. Who was the main boy in that? The old boy. Pardon? I heard that Robin something. Robin right? Bailey. Robin Bailey, yes. Robin Bailey. That was oh. a mad series. That I think Avis Bunnage was in that. Am I right? I think you're right. I, I like Avis. Uh, I like Avis. Uh, Liz Smith, Stephen Rea, Keith Liz, Drinkell. Liz Smith I was thinking of. Liz Smith. Played oh, his wife. just look at that cast. Four series, 27 episodes, and BBC. Yeah, weird series. You've never seen that? No, I've never seen that. It's a and strange one, yeah. The only thing I can think there is I've not seen it because it's not being released. Because if it, it was, was ITV, Sunday Network would have got it out. But, it was uh, a Sunday night. I presume you'd have been tucked up in bed after a uh, stirring uh, watch of Songs of Praise. Well, 1979 it finished, so I'd have been four. So yeah, I'm I, I just it, about so. remember it. So, yeah. But I remember, pardon, I heard that. I remember that line. But uh, created by Peter Tinnerswood. There you go. <sighs> there you are. There we go. Born in Liverpool, but he, he grew up in Manchester, living above a dry cleaners, just listening to the people coming in and out. Oh. Superb. See, these are very nice things. We've, we've, we've presented some nice things, as mm. well as some, some sort of rants this week. Yes, I think so. I think we're back in the saddle, dear, after our week off. I think so. I think it's as balanced as you or I are ever likely to get. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Before we head off to Denville Hall. Balance, not a word you'd apply to me, dear. Um, Well, I think that just about covers it all, don't we? For another lecture. As I knock everything (laughs) over. Yeah, lecture! (laughs) (laughs) Right, if you know what that's from, write in. Yeah, right, yeah. There we go. Okay, well, until the next time, have a lovely week. And you too, dear boy. Uh, have and a very you, nice my dear, week. as well. You enjoy it. And until we see you again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.